0: Hello and welcome everybody to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio. You can find us online at forwardradio.org. That's the place to go to become a part of our community radio station. Whether you want to chip in to help keep us on the air, it only takes $20 a day for this great community treasure, or chip in some of your time and become a volunteer with the station. Maybe you've got an idea for a new program on our show. You could try it out as a one-time thing with our access hour, become a weekly programmer, like me, all of that is possible at forwardradio.org, which is also where you go to get the podcast versions of our shows and the live stream as well. And uh, we also, of course, broadcast from the top of the historic Habern Building at 106.5 FM. And we are located right here at 4th and Broadway. And that is going to be the topic of our program today, Broadway All the Way. I'm so excited to finally be talking about this. Uh, I got really jazzed when I saw the the plans involved in the Broadway All the Way revisioning. Uh, there is a community survey out that I've been wanting to encourage my listeners to uh, go check out. Uh, you'll learn a lot by doing this survey as well as uh, chipping in your own thoughts about the plan and you can participate in all of this at broadwayalltheway.org and i'm excited to have in the virtual studio with me michael king to talk about this michael is director of the metro louisville metro office of advanced planning and sustainability welcome mike
1: Thanks for having me. It's a great segue too. I didn't realize you guys were in the Hayburn Building. <laughs> that's um, right. That's right. We've got a stake in the game here.
0: <laughs> exactly. We really do. I mean, of course, we broadcast uh, all around Jefferson County and and into Southern Indiana. But we are at the heart of Forward Radio it beats right here on Broadway, and we're up on the eighth floor, and I have a fantastic view of Broadway every time I do nice. the program. And of course, there's a lot of a lot of hospital traffic as well. So I end up hearing a lot of sirens. Up here on the eighth floor, um, and I hope that doesn't interrupt our show today. In fact, but tell our listeners why. Let's start there. Why Broadway all the way? What are we doing this revisioning now for?
1: Sure. So this sort of whole process started several years ago. Yeah. And Louisville, Louisville Metro created a document that's called Move Louisville. Oh, and right. What Move Louisville is is sort of the city's long-range transportation plan, and it analyzes very generally. But somewhat conceptually, the ideas of how we can sort of transform our roadway system. And it's long overdue to transform a lot of Louisville's roadway systems in a lot in a lot of ways. And the biggest takeaway from Move Louisville was the need to do sort of a fix-it-first approach, that we've got a lot of aging infrastructure throughout our community, that before we start building new roads, before we start building bigger roads, from the Louisville Metro perspective, we we need to correct the transportation system we have. And with that in mind, one of the big takeaways from that document was a focus on some of these corridors that really connect our, our entire community so while broadway is definitely a corridor that's downtown and connects a lot of the urban neighborhoods that are on the periphery of downtown it also eventually ties into barchtown road which is another one of our radials that goes out and shelbyville road and preston highway and dixie highway Uh, dixie highway we we did a master plan for that several years ago Uh, And we're fortunate enough to be able to implement the city's first BRT system, uh, running all the way down Dixie, basically from 265 all the way into downtown. And it's been very successful and very popular so far. One of the things we realized then is, all right, what's our next priority? And it was loud and clear that Broadway needed to be that opportunity because Broadway is such an iconic roadway for the city of Louisville. I I know we mentioned you kind of have a stake on Broadway, but then you mentioned that you broadcast all the way through all of Jefferson County, Louisville Metro, and even Southern Indiana, everybody in Jefferson County, Louisville Metro, Southern Indiana uses Broadway somewhere. They're (laughs) familiar with it. It is one of the most iconic roadways uh, in our community and in our region in a lot of ways. So we started looking at, at all these different radios and Broadway was the clear-cut winner. And the main reason for that is Broadway is extremely dangerous for everybody mm. right now. Um, the way the traffic system is set up there, it's it's really built to get cars in and out of our community as quickly as possible. I think in one study I found the intersection of Second and Broadway was the most dangerous pedestrian intersection in the entire state, which makes a lot of sense. Wow, really? And then you've got a a community college with a lot of foot traffic, yeah. And then beyond that, I mean, it's it's not just the pedestrian safety. It's unsafe for vehicles. It's unsafe for cyclists. It's unsafe for those scooters that have popped up all throughout our community. And it's going to be unsafe for whatever the next iteration of sort of light mobility transportation (laughs) might be in the city. So we, in this process said hey let's let's look at broadway and let's look at the entire length of broadway it can't just be a portion of broadway we got to look at the entire thing so it's a 6 mile stretch that runs from Shawnee Park uh, all the way up to, to Cave Hill Cemetery and Baxter Avenue. Yep. And in some of our initial analysis, we absolutely recognized the, the just alarming rates of crashes with, with vehicles, pedestrians, buildings getting hit, everything else in between. But then they also, the other thing we realized about it is nearly every transit route in the system touches Broadway in some shape, form, or fashion. So we wanted to make sure that some sort of premium transit component was tied directly directly into these safety improvements and this sort of retrofit of this outdated infrastructure that we have really works together to promote a, a better Broadway ultimately is what we're, we're trying to do. It's, it's gonna be a safer place. It's gonna be a much more efficient way for people to travel up and down the corridor. And it's gonna offer a lot of opportunities that aren't there for people that may have some mobility limitations or people that are just kind of interested in, in maybe uh, exploring some other ways of getting around um, that it'll now give us that option. So that was the long-winded answer to your question.
0: No, that's totally great. We love to dive deep here on sustainability now and get the full story. It's not just a soundbite, so that's good. So I, I'm understanding why why the focus is on Broadway. I guess I kind of understand why now. So what's the timeline for this process? And I know it's it's already started up a while ago. It was months ago that I submitted my feedback. So what what's the broader timeline for public involvement and coming up with a final plan and then ultimately implementation? I mean, I'm sure that's that's a long road, but what does this look like?
1: Yeah, so so this process actually started about a year and a half ago, and we were getting a lot of momentum, a lot of kind of on the ground engagements some good public meetings, some online engagements. And then 2020 happened. Yeah. There was a, <laughs> there was a, uh, kind of unforeseen circumstance that we didn't really anticipate through this process. And so we've adapted to the best of our ability with everything that's gone on in the last year. We've still been, been working uh, a lot behind the scenes, but also still engaging the community in any way that we can possibly so we've broken down into three phases for this project and we're currently basically the end of the second phase the first phase was kind of the idea generation of hey what could we do along this corridor and just kind of the big picture like let's throw everything out there and see what sticks Phase two has been sort of the development of these different sort of concepts that can happen along the corridor and all those kind of concepts are available at broadwayalltheway.org if people would like to check it out. As we get to go into this third phase, that's where we're really going to start to refine these concepts based on what we've heard from people and then move into uh, what will eventually be a document that we will use to then hopefully find ways to secure funding to implement this project. Yeah, The price tag is going to be high because we're asking for a whole lot and it's a long of roadway so it's probably something that will involve funding well beyond what Lowell metro has to offer through its sort of general budget it it will require some sort of federal funding and some state funding and some creativity on our part and how we're going to fund that so that'll be once we kind of get this third phase wrapped up which is what we're getting ready to enter into now then that next component will be all right where are we going to get the money and that's part of the, the scope of this project our consultants gresham smith and partners who who are a local consulting firm have been phenomenal they've done a really good job throughout this process and at the end of it part of the final document is going to be some sort of cost analysis and and estimations of what it's going to cost for us to ultimately implement this as well as a time frame of all right some of these are going to be long-term projects but some of this stuff maybe we could we could try on a tactical kind of system where we we could Hmm. maybe go out and and paint some lanes for for a bus lane to try it out for a little bit or cone off for lack of a better way to put it a couple sections of the roadway to to see what it would kind of feel like if it's pinched down a little bit and and how much we could slow cars without them mike
0: that's happening now on east broadway (laughs) I you know i live off of east broadway so i i know the the work that msd has been doing and Basically turned Broadway into what a, a, a two lanes on each direction, right?
1: <laughs> it really has, yeah. It's uh, it's made it. It's been a uh, very expensive tactical intervention. I think probably. <laughs> yeah, let's go, go for a
0: cheaper one next time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're hoping to do something a little bit cheaper than that. But it has given us a little bit of clarity. Granted, there's still—I mean, we we look at traffic numbers throughout the city to see how those are going in a in a pandemic world, and numbers are down. But but the reality is, from what we found through our data, is that we're currently at about probably 80% of our normal traffic capacity in the city, and the one biggest component of that that's still kind of uh, not out there that that probably makes up that last 20% is is the rush hour commute. And that is a big chunk of our time in, in how we get around through the city. And unfortunately, in a lot of ways, it's how we plan our transportation system It's for those four hours, the two in the morning and the two on the way home to make sure we have that capacity to get everybody through. So while we haven't been able to do that full analysis right now, we're still getting a pretty good snapshot of, of what could happen if lanes were sort of reprioritized along Broadway and, and given to other modes of transit or transportation or pedestrians, whatever that might be. So I know MSD wasn't fond of the project, but it's been a bit of a blessing in disguise that we've been able to look at it that way.
0: Well let's tell our audience too a little a little bit about the work that's going on and and maybe connect it to when we say revisioning Broadway, does it mean things like working on underground utilities with <laughs> that run down Broadway or or are we just talking about like lane configurations?
1: We are I will say we are asking for a whole lot out of this plan. Uh, but it does not include replacing hundred year old sewers in, in the project. <laughs> MSD kind of got their hand forced a little bit on that with a couple of uh, leaks and collapses and things that that were happening. But the good news behind that is if we do redo Broadway, then we're going to have a relatively new sewer underneath there. So we're not going to have to worry about that for a long time.
0: And is that Um, only, only an East Broadway issue or does it extend all the way West?
1: I'm not 100 percent sure, but I believe it's just sort of an East Broadway issue.
0: Okay. well, and that's also the portion of Broadway. This is another question I wanted to ask about. And that's another portion of Broadway that is a it's actually a U.S. Highway 150, right?
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, everybody has a little bit of jurisdiction on Broadway. Uh, Louisville, part of Louisville Metro, like the very western portion of Broadway is a local Louisville Metro road. Uh, a big chunk of it is a, a state route, and then another part of it is actually part of the federal highway system. Um, so there's a lot, lot, of, lot of pieces and a lot of players in here. Thankfully, we've been very fortunate to have some really good partners, including KYTC and, and uh, FHWA, to, to sort of continually be a sounding board through this process of what is feasible, what's not feasible, so that our end result is is a very implementable but also rational approach to to sort of rethinking this roadway.
0: And because of those three different jurisdictions, I think that also informs how the visioning is being broken down, right? I remember when I took the survey that you basically broken up Broadway into three main chunks, right? Do those line up with those jurisdictions?
1: It may, but that's not by design. uh, We've kind of broken Broadway into four sort of sections while still looking at it holistically. Part of what we uh, sort of envisioned early on in this process is that yes, Broadway is one roadway that is this kind of iconic corridor for Louisville that connects all these different neighborhoods and kind of runs through our central business district, has Union Station, all these great things on it. But there's also sort of an authenticity to to different parts of Broadway. So it has different feels as you're in different areas. Um, So the way that we broke it down was kind of into four sections. The first section is 264 sort of west all the way out to Shawnee Park. And what that is, is it's a very residential section of Broadway. There's a lot of residences, a lot of neighborhoods over there, not a lot of the sort of large lot style developments that that you see in other portions of the corridor. The next section basically goes from roughly 12th Street to about 264. And that's sort of the commercial corridor Mm. of where you see a lot of the the neighborhoods serving commercial. For example, Kroger is there. Uh, you've got a lot of sort of big box style, somewhat suburban retrofits that have happened there. And then from there, you get into 12th Street, basically up to Beargrass Creek, which is really sort of our central business district and the medical district. It changes a little bit as you get east there, but it's really probably the most high intensity use along the corridor. And then the last section is where Broadway pinches down a whole lot, basically from Beargrass Creek up to Baxter Avenue, yes. which again, very residential but it's just, it's a four lane roadway, uh, parking for most hours of the day on the outside lanes there has a much different feel and a much slower feel to it. So the intent of sort of dividing it up into these four segments was that there's not a one size fits all approach for Broadway. We've got to think a little bit specifically about what's going to work where. And part of that with this sort of premium transit component that we've put on here, The reality is that to do like a bus rapid transit BRT with a dedicated lane absolutely will provide us some serious time saving in a lot of places on the corridor. Yeah. But when you get into some of these other sections of the corridor, the traffic counts dip dramatically so that time saving isn't really necessary that you would find with those dedicated BRT lanes. So instead those buses that that get the BRT through probably the downtown core and even parts of that sort of commercial corridor, once you get to those peripheries, they don't need that. So there's this sort of give and take of like, all right, do we take this lane and and give it just to buses all the time? But the reality is we're not saving that much time. So instead the buses share the lane, but then it gives us some more flexibility to look at whether it be some greening of the corridor, some multimodal facilities, some placemaking, all those different kinds of components. So ultimately, while we are trying to sort of unify all of Broadway, we also want to retain those those elements that make it unique in those different places.
0: I'm speaking today on Sustainability Now with Michael King. He's director of the Louisville Metro Office of Advanced Planning and Sustainability. And we are broadcasting from the heart of Broadway here on Forward Radio at 4th and Broadway. And we're talking about Broadway All the Way, the city's uh, effort to re-envision the corridor. And they are currently seeking your input? Um, they want all users of Broadway, right? You don't have to live on Broadway to, or broadcast from Broadway to have input into this project because, as we've said, you know, pretty much everybody <laughs> uses Broadway at some point in the greater Louisville area. And so there is a 10 to 15-minute survey available at broadwayalltheway.org, and I can tell you from personal experience that this is not a boring, dry survey. There are a lot of really interesting visuals uh, that you can weigh in on, different visuals visions of the quarter that we're going to dive into in a minute here on the show but we're still uh, sort of teeing all that up and giving getting the broader context of why do this plan now and and how this process of re-envisioning works before we go any further though mike can i ask is this survey going to close at some point do people have a deadline to weigh in
1: we'll keep the survey open through through the end of this process it will i mean eventually pen goes to paper, and and we've got to start sort of uh, really devising this plan and and kind of coming up with with a final product. But we're going to continually listen to everybody that that wants to participate. And truthfully, in some cases, we might insert ourselves in some places and and make some people participate because we really need to hear from everybody. Ultimately, while this is a a sort of Louisville Metro-driven plan, this really needs to be something that, that is more community driven. Yeah. M- Metro may have initiated it, but it needs to be community driven. So when we go out and have these conversations and find out how important retention of on-street parking is to, to some residents, how truthfully, in, in a lot of cases, how much they dislike bike lanes and things like that in a few places, like how we find this balance of what all these different perspectives are wanting for Broadway, but continually listening to everybody because this is a roadway that while yes, I'll be on Broadway and you'll obviously be on Broadway, it's gonna be more than anybody. It's gonna be those those residents and things like that that are the most directly impacted by this project. So we have to be very cognizant and open and and we're constantly listening. And we'll continue to listen to the end of this process. It's definitely been a challenge over this last year to get a lot of engagement sure. because of the, the global pandemic. As I said before, we were very effective early on of being able to get on the street and talk to people. It appears, though, that maybe the, the clouds are lifting a I little know. bit. We might, we might be able to get back out there on the street again <laughs> here pretty soon. And that, that's basically our intent right now. Uh, as long as things keep trending towards a, a sort of safer environment for us to be able to get out there and talk to people that we're going to now take these concepts that we have and sort of take it to the street, for lack of a better way to put it, get out there, talk to the people that are using the Broadway instead of oftentimes when we do these sort of public open houses or online forums, The feedback we get from those is phenomenal and and we'd love to do it, but it doesn't always reach the audience that is the most impacted by this. There's a variety of, whether it be the time of the meeting, some technological limitations, whatever it might be, the, the best and most true form of engagement we can get is talking to people on the street. So that's our intent here over the next month or so is to really hopefully get back out there and talk to all the people out there about these are the ideas we've heard. Are we on the right track with this and if so then then let, let's come up with something cool
0: all right. Here's a crazy idea for you. You know, I just went through the mass vaccination site at Cardinal Stadium, and uh, everyone's required to wait 10 minutes after their vaccine. Hey, that's long enough to take a survey about Broadway all the way, right? <laughs> you could have you could have canvassers out there <laughs> surveying yeah, it, people.
1: <laughs> it's not a crazy idea. Maybe we'll get some, uh, <laughs> it's probably beyond our budget, but some high plans or something with the, with the banner behind it, just kind of circling over Cardinal Stadium and, and flash the Broadway all the way. There but no, that's a great idea. I mean, maybe who knows? Maybe maybe we'll turn Broadway into a to a vaccination lane. Yeah, since there it's you got go. enough capacity there, we could, <laughs> we could just get a sur- take a survey, get a, get a vaccine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I hope things do open up and you are able to get out in the public some more. Uh, I I remember pre-pandemic a, a few Broadway all the way events actually, uh, and actually folks right outside the Hayburn Building, I think, uh, with with some engaging people as they as they walk down the the surprisingly wide sidewalks on Broadway. I mean. You were talking about how dangerous the street is, but in a lot of ways there's some good bones there. Like if you want a nice wide sidewalk in Louisville, you gotta come to Broadway, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean it is probably some of the widest sidewalks on portions that we have in this city. I mean the the right of way along Broadway is Upwards of 125, 175 feet in some places. So it gives us a lot of opportunity to do things. But despite the fact of of the width of those sidewalks,
0: it's the intersection still have
1: challenges of this this sort of mixing of modes because there's no place for bikes, there's no place for scooters. You don't necessarily know where you're catching a tark. So you see people darting across the street in places to try and catch a bus that's on the other side, and they're they're catching it at a a place that's not a tark stop necessarily, and then you throw into that sort of street art and street furniture, patios for restaurants and things like that that are out there. It's all just sort of piecemealed together. There's no real sort of unified plan of how everything can kind of work a little bit more holistically together so that everybody kind of has a space that they feel safe and comfortable in.
0: Yeah. Now, you mentioned getting some feedback that certain people dislike bike lanes. So, and and I know this has been a politically controversial issue. So I, I wonder what you're actually hearing. What is it that people dislike about them
1: i think a lot of it is truthfully that a lot of people feel like in some instances a lot of the roadway reconfigurations we've done in the city are with the intent of adding bike lanes when the reality is a lot of times when we're trying to improve safety one of the the, the best ways we can do that is to slow cars down right <laughs>
0: Eas-
1: easiest way to slow cars down is to to make it a little bit more uncomfortable to drive. So you you make the lanes maybe a little bit more narrow. You maybe get rid of a few lanes, but when you do that, you have some space left over and the, the easy dedication there is bike lanes it's really difficult and challenging. And, and I would think the same way if, if this wasn't my profession to think that, hey, if you're taking lanes off of a roadway, possibly, then traffic's gonna just back up and it, it's basically gonna be gridlock in front of my neighborhood. Hmm. We do a obviously a lot of data analysis and a lot of studying to show that that's not the case, that we've got extra capacity on almost all of our roadways th- throughout Louisville Metro. There's certainly some out there that probably need a little bit more capacity because of the way they're operating but in our downtown area on a a gridded system where there's so much connectivity and so many different ways to get around we tend to really push everybody to specific corridors based on the time of day and broadway is one of those because it's so wide and i mean it's built almost like a non-elevated highway Mm. uh, of the width and the breadth of the entire thing that we, we encourage cars to continually go there when there are, there's multiple other streets and in, in especially the kind of central business district that can hold some more capacity and Broadway still has the design of the roadway is bigger than it needs to be right now, based on traffic counts, not just from this past year, but from several years going right. back. So, so pre-pandemic. But I mean, the, the bike lane question is, is a tough one. It's a controversial subject and has been for a long time. Again, most of what I, what I hear through a lot of the projects we have is we just don't want bike lanes. I, I'd rather have on-street parking. I'd rather have some tree plantings whatever it might be. But I think a part of that too is that in this city, while we, we do have some good bike facilities, I don't think we've really created any of those sort of like Cadillac, like when you think of Indianapolis cultural trails mm. and, and those kind of things in our community or Town Branch Commons that's going down into Lexington. Yeah, that People think of bike lanes as a couple stripes on the road, but they don't realize how much more it can be and how fun and efficient and affordable of a way it can be to get around if it is kind of given a little bit more priority than it currently is. So there's a public education, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it component, but it's also, we don't have that here in a lot of ways of of those really elite sort of facilities. And Broadway is one of those places where we could potentially implement something like that because we have so much right of way. There's so much space. We have a lot of data that shows, I mean, there's thousands of scooters that go along Broadway every day Our bike share stations show that there's a lot of bikes that we have sort of GPS trackers on that are using Broadway and then just just from general observation you constantly see people riding bikes out there and and we we see the negative of people getting hurt that way as well so yeah
0: well I think one reason someone on a bicycle might say they don't like bike lanes because they don't really protect a cyclist from traffic whizzing by I mean it's it's nice to have your own space on the road but the drivers would have to respect it so I think a lot of cyclists you would prefer an off-street solution, and that's one of the exciting visions in the Broadway All the Way plan that you can see at broadwayalltheway.org, and if you take the survey, you can see what some of these visions look like. Would you like to describe what, what some of those uh, solutions might be where where bikes are actually not sharing the, the street with cars?
1: Sure, and again, it's, it's just conceptual right now, so yeah. there's no hard plans on any of this stuff. But some of the ideas we've looked at, we've basically, for each of those segments, developed two kind of general renderings that have sort of interchangeable parts. But we could, with with the room that we have on Broadway, we mentioned those extremely wide sidewalks that are there. You could almost paint a line down one of those sidewalks and say this side's for cyclists and scooters, this side's for pedestrians, and still have more than enough room for everybody to safely traverse up and down there. With this project, we would probably reframe that, reframe those sidewalks. Take that width that we have, and maybe maybe even get a little bit more through some of those travel lanes on Broadway, to really start to to make it very clear and understandable and comfortable for both pedestrians and and non-motorized uh, users out there. Of hey, this is a good opportunity for me to be able to 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 ride. I'm more of a, a leisure cyclist, but I can get out there and I can take a lane and, and and ride with the best of them if I need to. But I also have a six-year-old and eight-year-old that I'm I'm never gonna I'm never gonna teach them that at least not for yeah. not for years down the road. These would be the kind of facilities that would be safe for that sort of eighty eight to eighty mantra where it's it's comfortable for everybody. It's comfortable for the people that want to use it to commute, but it's also comfortable for the people that just want to ride. So if I yeah. wanted to. <clears throat> Go from Shawnee Park and, and ride down and, and get go to the Kroger and get something to eat or, or McDonald's or, or whatever it might be, one of, one of the cool local restaurants out along the corridor. I can do that now, <clears throat> which currently you can't do that with your kids without feeling very threatened the entire time.
0: Yeah, I'm speaking today with uh, Michael King, Director of Metro Office of Advanced Planning and Sustainability here in Louisville on Forward Radio. My name is Justin Mogg, and you're tuned in to Sustainability Now. And we are talking Broadway all the way as proud residents of Broadway here at 4th and Broadway in the Hayburn Building uh, on Forward Radio. Uh, It is an exciting revisioning of the entire corridor, and they are actively seeking the public's input. So I've been wanting to have some representatives on the show for a long time now to encourage you all to take the 10 to 15 minute survey that is available at broadwayalltheway.org uh you can not only directly react to some of the the plans that are up there uh, but there's plenty of space to put in your own ideas too right mike i mean again like you said nothing's like set in stone yet right we're still planning right
1: yep yeah absolutely if if as we hope people go to the website and, and check out some of the initial findings that are on there and some, some of the initial ideas, there's some really cool interactive maps where you can go on there and <clears throat> drop your own idea. And, and inevitably, I'm sure there's some stone that's been left unturned out there that somebody's yeah. going to come up with a great cool idea for us. And, and this project, while it is definitely focused on the transportation component and making the roads safer we're also asking for ideas on on sustainability of making hey let, let's green up this corridor yeah. we've got a we've got a terrible heat island effect that happens in our downtown and we can plant trees in our right-of-way pretty easily. So, so what are those kind of opportunities? Where are places for for sort of placemaking, like public art and and, and mm. things like that, that we could integrate into this corridor, so that it starts to feel more like a place and less like a road? Ultimately, that it, that you feel like you're you're part of something that that's real and unique to Louisville.
0: And maybe a destination for people, too. I mean, there are wonderful things all along Broadway. Uh, but, yeah, if it's uninviting, if it's, you know, <laughs> eight lanes of traffic and a bunch of parking lots, uh, that's not going to really encourage people to come. So I, I I totally see the importance of rethinking this. And for, for even things like when you were describing, you know, an off-street solution for bikes uh, on Broadway, that makes me immediately think of like visitors to our city on on a Louvello, right? Feeling comfortable, wanting to check out Broadway, but coming and seeing eight lanes of traffic and saying, "No way," right? But if there was a if there was a path for them, they that they could be more comfortable too. So I'm sure it would help with with uh, getting people to want to come visit our city, whether they live out of state or just on the periphery of the city. Right. Um, But I also wonder if the Metro Louisville sees sort of a a social justice component to making Broadway safer. Uh, What what do you think about that?
1: Absolutely. And and Broadway in a lot of ways was was the epicenter of a lot of the the social unrest and uprising and speaking out from a community. A lot of that occurred on Broadway uh, over this last year and, and has for years, honestly. Um, so it we in the plan itself want to directly uh, be forward that, hey, we're seeing the, this sort of call for a more equitable solution to our community and promoting equity in all ways. And one of the, the most tangible things that Louisville Metro can do to promote equity is to invest in our infrastructure mm. and to make our infrastructure, make those investments in places that are equitable. And Uh, Broadway to me is one of the most equitable roadways I I can think of because it it has a little bit of of everything on there from from residents to hospitals to institutions to iconic hotels to our Union Station um, that it is by by investing in our roadway and working with the community and listening to the community about what they would like to see on a roadway that directly affects people, that then we, we can take that vision and ultimately, hopefully, fi- find the money to be able to, to build that infrastructure and, and really show a tangible result of what we've heard from people.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. So the the survey covers just a wide variety of topics about Broadway. Again, it's it's not just like what is the roadway configuration, but issues such as transit, which you've already mentioned, and per, perhaps a, a bus rapid transit solution on Broadway. Uh, bus stops themselves and shelters, and, and what would make the transit system more effective from a, a user's perspective who has to stand out on Broadway, right? Uh, crosswalks, lighting. Uh, That's another thing we haven't even talked about yet. And some of these green infrastructure elements you mentioned, like trees and maybe even stormwater management, another thing we could talk about. Uh, Sidewalks, of course, uh, multi-use paths, parking, both on street and off. And then something you talked about was public plazas and gathering spaces. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what that might look like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you think of this six-mile roadway on Broadway that – I believe at one point it was intended to be an Olmstead Parkway. Um, oh. And you can tell through its design with, with the width and everything that it would have been the one that sort of connects Shawnee up to Cherokee oh. and, Ch- and Seneca on all of that. I believe on Broadway itself, Shawnee is the only park. So you have a six mile section of roadway with thousands of residents and thousands of <laughs> people that, that come to to work and to for entertainment and everything else on there um so these opportunities to to again sort of evolve into sort of placemaking of opportunities where you maybe look at a, a surface lot in in downtown that that's really doing nothing except for holding cars yeah. for 8 hours during the week during the work days that hey maybe we start to rethink of ways that that some of these spaces over time evolve into more sort of public spaces so so you take that 175 feet of right away that we have but then you even extend that a little bit further into the sort of urban fabric in the built environment so that people feel it becomes that much more vibrant of a corridor with more people there um and and the point you made about lighting earlier is spot on that it then becomes a place that's not just a, a daytime place hmm. it's you you're safe and visible at all times of the day um from the 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 crash numbers that we have for pedestrians are are definitely higher in the evenings because the lighting along broadway is currently intended more to illuminate the roadway than it is to illuminate the pedestrians and that's the case throughout most of the corridor there's a few exceptions where we do have some pedestrian scale lighting um but yeah by by sort of extending this this feel that it that our roadways are, are a public place and maybe even extending that a little bit past the right-of-way and some of these opportunities, um, I think you go a long way.
0: That's awesome. Um, so again, many different elements that folks can comment on at broadwayalltheway.org. Uh, is there anything I didn't, uh, didn't mention that some of the, that's in some of the visions, kind of cool things that you would like to share with our listeners? Is there anything about stormwater in there? I'm trying to remember now.
1: There is, but but we haven't really got to that level of refinement yeah. it yet. It's it's more the conceptual ideas right now of where we could install, as as we're basically just putting it sort of green, greening and green infrastructure. We haven't really got into the stormwater retention, um, but yeah, that that'll definitely be a component of the end of it. Um, the the one other component of this that I think is really critical. Uh, And and I know Gresham Smith, who is our lead consultant on this, is going to help us out with this. But eventually to have this sort of premium transit service along Broadway is great. But for it to really ultimately be functional as part of a larger transit system, it needs to extend out further. Um, so, So part of this process, we'll look at the end. Uh, we won't get nearly as detailed on, on this level, but sort of a feasibility analysis of how this premium transit, which will probably be bus rapid transit, extends farther out um, <clears throat> along some of our other radials so that it becomes part of a larger system. And then, then Broadway starts to connect a lot of these different spokes that we have in the city. So it, it all starts to tie together into a bigger picture.
0: And you know, knit together the what are there like eleven different neighborhoods <laughs> along the Broadway corridor. Like like you said, a lot of people sort of Broadway is their home, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a place that while a lot of people see it as a, as a road and an iconic road, a lot of people it's their home. I mean that, that's where that's where they front. That's where that's where they take their kids to daycare. That's where they take their kids to school. Uh, it, it's a lot of things to a lot of people, but but the people that live along there and in close proximity are the ones that we definitely uh, want to hear the most from through this process.
0: Yeah. Well, we're we're nearing the end of our time together and uh I, I did wanna ask you about something that's a little outside of the context of Broadway all the way, but several times you've mentioned that Broadway is also the home to our historic and wonderful Union station. And it just so happens that a couple weeks ago, Amtrak and the Biden administration released a plan for a national rail network. Uh, It's as part of Biden's massive infrastructure uh, bill that would reestablish passenger rail service to Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it's we're on the map suddenly. Uh, and, I, and I wonder if and if you have any thoughts about this, obviously, it's it's not like, oh, yes, it's set in stone. It's happening in any way. But uh, has the city uh, had any conversations with the feds or Amtrak about it or thinking about, w- you know, what that might mean for our city? And would we reactivate Union Station or would it be somewhere else?
1: Yeah, and it's, uh, I personally haven't been in on those conversations, but we as Louisville Metro are constantly looking while, while we plan for our city and our community. We also need to think regionally of how we provide better connections to to our regional network and for people to come and see how great and awesome Louisville is. Yeah. And, and rail service is one of those things that uh, I, I think America is is a few decades behind on, but we, we have an opportunity to maybe catch up with, with a lot of the rest of the world in, in how we get around and, and some more options. So <clears throat> would Union, Union Station would be the coolest place I could think of for I know. transit hub. Uh, <laughs> it, it was built as a transit hub one time, but we, we've broken up a lot of that infrastructure. It, it's exciting to think um, that at the federal level, we're, we're starting to think of different ways to get people around uh, throughout our country and to provide better connections and hopefully more efficient and sustainable connections as well. Um, so, so we're very poised for that, that kind of opportunity uh, we often promote that Louisville's within a, a huge percentage of the population, uh, with, yeah. within less than a day's drive, and if we had the, those trains, that the same would reign true there. Yeah. Um, so, so, I think it's something we we continually are involved in these conversations. But so much of that, that right now is, is just ideas that are out there and we, we look forward to that refinement kind of coming down the road here pretty soon.
0: Yeah, but surely we must feel, folks involved in Broadway all the, all the way and other sort of Louisville infrastructure planning must be must have been pretty excited to hear the Biden administration's going to make such a large investment in public infrastructure. I mean that's the kind of pot of money that could fund something like a, a Broadway redesign, right?
1: absolutely yeah we've um there's been we we apply annually for multiple federal grants for multiple projects throughout the city and it's extremely competitive as it should be to get that and we we've missed out on a lot of opportunities but this new injection or hopeful injection of infrastructure money could go a long way to do it. a lot of different really good things for a lot of people
0: yeah Well, we're nearly out of time, uh, but it is derby season, so I have to mention, of course, you know, typically what's iconic about Broadway (laughs) is the Pegasus Parade down Broadway, right? It's not happening on Broadway this year, but something different is happening? Uh, Yeah, it was pretty neat. It came through my neighborhood
1: uh, just a little while ago. Oh, really? it, yeah, it, uh, we we've had conversations with the Derby Festival because they they do utilize that roadway, and it's it's a it's a great event for the city of Louisville uh, that we we definitely want to want to make sure we can support their efforts. I was unbelievably impressed with <clears throat> with their ability to adapt this year. Obviously, you couldn't do it last year, and for them to say, "Hey, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it different, and we're going to do it safely." And to reach so many different parts of the community, it was really, really neat. Like I said, I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. I took them out there, and they saw it, and they they thought it was really neat to see a parade basically coming down our street. So that
0: is so cool. Oh my gosh! And it's always a surprise, right? Like these aren't announced in advance. The route? Well, they're not supposed to be,
1: but from time to time, uh, things may get leaked out there a little bit. From what I've heard.
0: (laughs) All right, just keep your eyes peeled. They might the Pegasus Parade might be coming down your. Your roadway, I know they they always line up in my neighborhood in Paris Town Point, so I always get to see the horses lo- staging and yeah, stuff like that. Sweet, yeah. <laughs> well, Mike King, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for taking all the time today to bring me and our listeners up to speed on on what's in store for Broadway All the Way. Again, a reminder that folks can participate in the survey at broadwayalltheway.org. dot Any one last thing you want to say to encourage folks to participate?
1: Uh, just same thing i said before that that this is roadways are are a community asset and it's not something that's owned by government it's a community owned asset so so this is an opportunity to to kind of get your voice in the future of one of our most iconic roadways
0: perfect great note to end on thanks again for taking the time mike and uh, stay tuned everybody coming up in just a minute your community action calendar with all kinds of ideas for how to get engaged in sustainability in louisville this week so stay tuned my friends On Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, on your community radio station, WFMP Louisville, 106.5 FM and forwardradio.org. Behind me now... Many thanks to them for giving us permission to use their great local music on the podcast versions of our programs, which you can find archived at forwardradio.org. Well, my friends, it's that time in the program, time to get your calendars out and your pencils sharpened to get ready for action for sustainability this week. It is Earth Day week, my friends. Earth Day is coming up on Thursday, April 22nd. What an excuse for you to get out and make sustainability a reality now. And there are so many ways to do this. It's a packed week this week. It all starts on Tuesday, April 20th, when the Louisville Grows Seeds and Starts sale starts their online ordering for all plants, trees, bushes, and gardening materials. You can find it all at seedsandstarts.org, all spelled out. And uh, curbside pickup for those online orders starts on Earth Day, Thursday, April 2nd. They've got all your favorite vegetables, fruit trees, berry bushes, herbs, flowers, pollinator, and gardening materials, and it's all available at seedsandstarts.org. They're planted and grown with love by greenhouse volunteers, and each variety of their plants are chosen chosen for adaptability, biodiversity, beauty, and taste. Get your locally grown, low-cost plants at the Seeds and Starts sale, and feel good knowing that your purchases will go to support sustainable food through the Louisville Grows Community Garden and grants program this year's sale was going to function a little differently for the safety of everyone during the pandemic and now is your chance to do those online orders at seedsandstarts.org and start curbside pickup on earth day on thursday also on tuesday the 20th at 7 p.m on zoom uh, please join Forward Radio's community partner, the Greater Louisville Sierra Club, for a program called John Muir Legacy, Racism and Inclusivity, Visioning a Thousand Mile History Trail. This will be a look at plans for the John Muir Legacy Trail. The West Point, Kentucky Revitalization Movement and project partners have received a National Park Service planning grant to improve communities from Louisville to Cedar Key, Florida, through the development of a new hike, bike, paddle, and a quest trail system. This effort was the brainchild of Mountain Biking Buddies Seth Wheat from the Kentucky Department of Adventure Tourism and Vince Carmen from the Kentucky Mountain Bike Association. The uh, John Muir Legacy Trail is committed to embracing and telling previously untold stories of diverse people, histories, and landscapes. And the West Point Revitalization Movement welcomes all groups to connect and share as we explore the Greenway and Blue Way trails organizers are ready to reach out and ensure that the planning team is comprised of diverse partners to help plan develop use and maintain this new 1000 mile trail system you can come learn about it on tuesday april 20th at 7 p.m on zoom and greater louisville sierra club programs are always free and open to everyone you can find the link to register at louisville Now, Wednesday is jam-packed with sustainability, and it kicks off at noon with a Zoom webinar on racism and COVID-19, combating a pandemic and hate crimes against Asian Americans. The Muhammad Ali Center invites you to the next program in their I Am America racial justice series. While the United States saw a spike in COVID-19 infections, intolerance, and racism against Asian Americans simultaneously increased. In 2020, hate crimes against Asian Americans rose near 150% putting families and communities in jeopardy. During this discussion, panelists will explore how xenophobic rhetoric and anti-Asian discrimination has caused violence and fear in our country while providing actionable steps in how we can keep our neighbors safe. Panelists will include Dan Wu, a small business owner and activist, John an intercultural multi-instrumentalist, composer, researcher, and music educator, Dr. Florence Chang, executive administrator of Accountability Research and Systems Improvement for JCPS. Dr. Monica Lekwani, a multicultural specialist for the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Poverty in Jefferson County Public Schools. Rachel Anger, Education Outreach Coordinator at the Louisville Metro Human Relations Commission. And it'll be moderated by Brian Warren, Senior Consultant for the Office of Globalization, a division of Louisville Forward in Metro Government. This program is in partnership with the Office of Globalization and Lean Into Louisville. You can find Find the link to register at AliCenter.org. Again, it's Wednesday the 21st at noon on Zoom. Find the link at AliCenter.org. Now, what if there was a simple solution that could help balance our climate, replenish our freshwater supplies, and feed the world? Well, that solution is right under our feet. Registration is now open to view this year's featured film, Kiss the Ground, that is part of the events for this year's Faith Climate Action Week. Theme of Sacred Ground, cultivating connections between our faith, our food, and the climate. It runs through April 25th. Kiss the Ground is a new film about how regenerating the world's soils has the potential to rapidly stabilize Earth's climate, restore lost ecosystems, and create abundance and food supplies. This film explains why transitioning to regenerative agriculture could be the key to rehabilitating the planet while simultaneously invigorating a new sense of hope and inspiration in viewers. Thanks to a special arrangement with Kiss the Ground, Interfaith Power and Light will offer a free online viewing period for home viewing now through April 26. All viewers must register with Interfaith Power and Light, and once you do, you'll receive a link to view three different versions of the film. There's a full-length 84-minute version a grower version at 45 minutes and an educational version also 45 minutes for use in schools and then on Wednesday April 21st at 2pm Interfaith Power and Light will host a webinar Sacred Ground a message of hope we'll have a conversation with the filmmaker Josh Tickell and Faith in Place's statewide outreach director Veronica Kyle on what congregations can do to be part of the solution to food justice and climate justice when you register to view the film you'll also receive a link to the Zoom for the webinar on Wednesday at 2 p.m., you can find the details and the link to register at interfaithpowerandlight.org. All spelled out again. The webinar is Tuesday or uh, Wednesday at 2 p.m., and you can watch the film anytime through April 26th at your leisure. Just go to interfaithpowerandlight.org. Also on Wednesday at 6 p.m., it's the April version of Green Drinks with the guest speaker Carolyn Waters, former guest on this show many times, and her Bellarmine students. Registration for this event is free and available at louisvillesustainabilitycouncil.org for the fifth time Bellarmine University undergrads have partnered with the Louisville Sustainability Council to facilitate informal discussions at green drinks please join us to hear perspectives on sustainability issues from students who don't necessarily consider themselves environmentalists to learn about recent studies related to a variety of sustainability topics locally and globally and to practice a community engagement method called photo voice. We will begin with a brief presentation about the assignment students have completed, but the majority of our time, will use breakout rooms for small group conversations about the students' photography and research. Here's what one student had to say about the experience of sharing his ideas with people at Green Drinks. Quote, the feedback and ideas I received gave me confidence in the work I had done and gave me more ideas for what needs to be done next. It also made me take a look in the mirror, asking myself, what can I do to help? Again, you can register for this free event on Wednesday the 21st at 6 to 7 p.m. online at louisvillesustainabilitycouncil.org. Also Wednesday evening, starting at 7 p.m., you could go one right into the other. It's an environmental racism class. Join us for an exploration into how black, indigenous, and people of color are disproportionately impacted by pollution. Did you know that environmental problems impact the poor and vulnerable first and hardest? Low-income communities and people of color suffer the worst from these environmental woes. Would you like to know what can be done about it? Well, this class will explore examples of environmental racism and injustice around the world and in our own city. We will look at the causes and possible solutions to this issue that is gaining more awareness in recent years. This will be a four-week class from 7 to 8.30 p.m. on Wednesdays starting this week, April 21st and running through May 12th. class will be offered as a hybrid course where participants have the option of attending in-person with social distance and masks, or they can do it entirely remotely. Learn more and get registered at Earth and Spirits. Center.org slash class. Again, the environmental racism class starts this Wednesday, the 21st at 7 p.m., and you can register for it at earthandspiritcenter.org slash class. Now, on Earth Day, Thursday, April 22nd, from 1 to 4 p.m., there's going to be a Beargrass Creek cleanup. Everyone's meeting at Ledge Road, the parking lot there, at 1 p.m. to join in the fun. You can join Olmstead Park's Conservancy and the Beargrass Creek Alliance in this creek cleanup effort to celebrate Earth Day. Come out to Cherokee Park to celebrate the Earth Day and to do a trash sweep you meet at ledge road parking lot near willow pond gloves tools and bags will be provided but please dress for the weather and wear appropriate footwear covid safety protocols will be followed you can learn more and register at cleanbeargrass.eventbrite.com cleanbeargrass.eventbrite.com for the earth day thursday april 22nd 1 to 4 p.m beargrass creek cleanup now, UofL is offering free excess landscaping materials to the public. We have accumulated more than we can possibly use on campus. So there is some great wood chip mulch, uh, recycled sand from a, a construction project, and compost available to the community. It is available to the public Friday, April 23rd from 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. And again on Saturday the 24th from 8 a.m. to noon. Physical plan at UofL has identified these extra landscap Materials, sand, mulch, and soil compost are available for pickup at 1710 South Floyd Street. You enter from Bloom Street. The dates and times for pickup again are Friday the 23rd from 10 a.m. to 3:30, and Saturday the 24th from 8 a.m. to noon. If you need assistance, physical plant employees will be on on hand to help load your vehicle. U of L will not be responsible for any damage to your vehicle. And you can secure your appointment by calling Greg Shetler at 387-0707 or just show up Friday the 23rd from 10 a.m. to 3.30 or Saturday the 24th from 8 a.m. to noon at uh, the Hughes lot, we call it, uh, 1710 South Floyd Street. But you enter from Bloom Street between Brook Street and Floyd uh, right next to the rail line there. There's an entrance to the lot. Coming up Saturday the 24th from 10 a.m. to noon, it's a Cherokee Park community cleanup. You can join neighbors and District 8 Councilmember Cassie Chambers-Armstrong as well as Olmsted Parks Conservancy folks in a community-wide cleanup. Sites will include Big Rock and Hogan's Fountain area in Cherokee Park, dress for the weather with appropriate footwear, and all pandemic Safety protocols will be followed. Tools, gloves, and guidance will also be available. And you can come on out this Saturday, the 24th, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at either Hogan's Fountain or Big Rock. All right. Also coming up this coming weekend on Saturday, April 24th, it's the next pop-up drop-off event with recycling uh, of all kinds of things available to our community. It's taking place April 24th at Metro Fleet Services at 3515 Newburgh Road from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. What can you bring for drop-off? Well, up to three different electronic devices for recycling, metal and appliances, your household recyclables, uh, paper, plastic, metal, glass, yard waste, uh, and on-site paper shredding, as well as up to 4 passenger tires. Uh, all this great stuff can be recycled and prescription medicine can be disposed of responsibly at these pop-up drop-offs of uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on April 24th at Metro Fleet Services, 3515 Newburg Road. You can learn more at louisvilleky.gov. And then on Sunday, April 25th, it's the next in the Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light film series Engaging Spring. We got this. This series is screening short films to inspire us to take action on the extraction industry here in Kentucky. The free screenings are on Sunday evenings at 6 to 7.30 p.m., followed by Interfaith Dialogue, and a series concludes with an advocacy event on May 9th to take collective action for change this Sunday, April 25th. The film will be Union Town. On May 2nd, it's Water Warriors. You can learn more and register for the event uh, for free at KentuckyIPL.org. And the last thing to mention is coming up Monday, the 26th, joining the conversation, Becoming Anti-Racist, Ethnicity, Culture, Behavior, and Space. It's Monday from 5 to 6.30 p.m. online. Moving beyond conversations about racism into anti-racist action requires building a shared understanding of what it means means to be an anti-racist and how to take appropriate action as individuals and collectively to foster a more equitable and inclusive community the conversation topics to be used during monday's event are based on dr ibram x Kendi's best-selling text how to be an anti-racist you heard him on our show a few weeks back but reading is not required for participation. The panelists include Karina Barrios from uh, La Casita Center, Mind Honey, uh, Ramona, Lindsay, and Renisha Martin. You can find the link to register and learn more at louisville.edu sustainability. Joining the conversation, Becoming an Anti-Racist is Monday, April 26th at 5 p.m. online. And that is all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I have, hope you have a great week coming up, and I will be back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well.